Joe, thank you very much. And thank you, the singing was awesome, so thank you very much. Uh, I have a question, well, first of all, before I start, Sue Parody's uh, memorial is going to be July the 8th, Friday, July the 8th, for all that you want to know. They're waiting for some family to come in. She was cremated, and so they are going to wait for that memorial service until July the 8th, and we'll, let, we'll make sure to get that out to everybody so that you will know that. But just continue to be remembering Jim and Jimmy and their whole family in your prayers at this time. So this is kind of a weird question after that announcement, but it was a question I was going to ask you anyway. So here it is. It's part of my lesson. It's on the screen. So how many of you have had at least one relationship, one significant relationship that has changed this past year, either for the good or for the bad? How many of you have had someone, something like that happen? Well, most of us probably have. For some, you were able to connect to someone else, connect to another. You established a relationship. You've, you've kind of grown in that friendship, and you're, you just love being around that new person. And that's a great relationship that is formed. Well, on the other hand, others may have lost a significant friendship this past year. And you're still feeling the sting of that, still feeling the void and the emptiness of not having them around all the time. As we are aware, building relationships with one another is a key factor in the health of a congregation. We need each other. By the way, how many of you actually know how many one another passages are actually in the New Testament? There's actually almost 60 of them. Almost 60, 59, I think. If you just put one another in there in, in concordance, you get 59 actual references to actually one another in the New Testament. And yet, the greatest threat, the greatest threat to the health of a congregation is a shallow nature in which friendships are formed. The shallow nature in which friendships are formed. Now, it says Barna Research, but it's actually Lifeway Research, actually did a survey, and 69% of 1,000 pastors said friendships and fellowship of congregants was a concern for their churches. In other words, 70% of churches in America are having a difficult time developing relationships and going deeper in their friendships. We are good at telling each other that we're fine. We're fine. We're good. We, we're doing well. We leave the impression that we have no struggles in our life with each other. We may be going through a very difficult time in our lives, but, we have, but to actually cross over to the other side and let others know what's truly going on with us, that's something we rarely do at all. There are two types of people in this world, two types of people in the world. There are people that hold their cards just like this. And they don't let anybody see their life. And they hold them close and they keep them close. And then the other type of people are the ones that just vomit everything, right? I mean, they just vomit everything. And those are the type of people, those are the two types of people. And there's some in between, of course, a lot of people that are in between that. But that's kind of where most people are. And most churches, most churches are friendly and welcoming. We know how to greet people. We know how to make people feel well when they come in the door. A good handshake, a smile, a kind word. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you being here. We make people feel good. And just as a caveat, though, have you ever been to a church that's not friendly? Of course. All of us have been there. 
those churches struggle. And I'm just so thankful that you, each and every one of you, are such a kind and welcoming group of people here at Lake Homa. But here's, here's a question. Here's another question. What does it take to actually go beyond friendly in our relationships with one another? What does it take for a church to actually care for each other, to be in each other's lives, to support one another as we are actually called to do? Have you ever noticed how friendships actually just progress? I mean, okay, so here it is. If you have your outline, you ought to be putting these down, but where's your, okay, forget it. All right. Just, just look at me and just, I know you'll, you'll memorize it all anyway. So here we go. You start out as strangers, of course, right? Then you move to acquaintances where you kind of get to know each other. Then you go to friends. And here's my last one. Then you become brothers. Then you become brothers. Now, I use brothers in the broadest of terms like Paul did in his letters and Alec read this passage, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. He said this, Therefore, my brothers, my brothers, this is Paul talking to the Philippians, my brothers, for whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. This goes deeper than just a friendship that Paul is talking about these Philippian, this Philippian church. Paul is also not just speaking about men when he says brothers. That's not what he does. In fact, in Romans alone, that term brothers is used 21 times. And in the list of faithful servants at the end of that, at the end of that letter, in chapter 16, many of those in that list are females. And he's calling them brothers. And his list is not just a list of friends. It's not just a list of friends, but it's those who are partnering with him, those who are brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are serving along with him. They are in each other's lives. They are caring for one another, helping one another. They are open to this shared life experience in that church. And you may say, but James, but James, and I think I heard Ryan say this in his class. If everybody knew me like I know me, I don't think they'd like me. They would run away from me. It's just easier for me, easier for me to keep my struggles to myself. Because if they knew me like I know me, I don't think they would like me. Okay, so here's another question for you. How do we move from being just friendly being just friendly, to actually caring for one another? How do we move from being just friendly to caring? And here's what I realize about the word care. I get that. I get the word care. I know it's kind of a, a, a word that takes in a lot because the word care can also say, it has a meaning like, I care for my pets. I care for my garden. I care for my car. I care for my home. I care for my family. And so that word care can take on that meaning of, yeah, I care for these things. But what I'm not asking for is a deeper type of caring. And you'll get to what I'm talking about in just a second. Do you remember Jesus' conversation with Peter after the resurrection when Jesus is on the shore, all the apostles are in their boats fishing, and Jesus is on the shore, and after they catch all the fish, they come in, and Jesus has this conversation with 
Peter, and it's in John chapter 21, where he says this, and Jesus said to Simon, and this, he gives him an instruction. He says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He asked, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Remember, remember Peter's kind of agitated. Why are you asking me this three times? Why are you asking me this three times? You know that I love you. And what does he say? What's the directive? What's the thing that he asked him to do? He says, take care, care of my sheep. Take care of my sheep. In every one of those verses, which is three times he asked that, 15, chapter 15, I mean, verse 15, verse 16, and verse 17, he asked him to take care of my sheep. That word care there, that word care is, means to herd the flock, to shepherd, to take care care of the sheep, to take care of them. And in order to do this, in order to do this, Peter is going to have to know the sheep. He's going to have to know the sheep. He will need to know them by name. He will need to know their hurts. He will need to know their pains. He will have to bind up the wounded. He will need to lead them to green pastures. He will need to walk with them along the path. Jesus, listen, Jesus is asking a fisherman, a fisherman who has probably never herded sheep in his life because his dad was a fisherman too. This was what he did. He's asking Peter to care for sheep. Now, let me ask you a question. In that story, if you brought it out, and I'm not going to go back, there's, there's a, a reference to that they caught. How many, how many fish did they caught? Anybody remember? Top of your head? 153. 153 fish. That's what they caught. They caught 153 fish. Why did they count the fish? Who told them to count the fish? Why would they count the fish? You don't see that in other times when Jesus is calling them. He didn't say, count the fish. Why does he ask him to count the fish? Peter, Peter, the way that you love me is to care for the sheep. You can't throw back the sheep you don't like. Peter, you can't see people as fish. The 153 you caught, they matter. Every one of them is important. All 153 fish matter. We count the fish, Peter. I'm asking you to change your perspective on how you see others. I'm asking you to tend a flock. I'm asking you to connect to others, to know others, to see them as sheep and not as fish. Every one of them count. Every one of them count. And how many of us see others as fish? We see others as fish. We take those we like. We get rid of those that are not our taste. That's what we do. We surround ourselves with fish we like. And we get rid of those that don't fit our taste. Caring, that caring, going deep with others, being in each other's life is something we are called to do. Our struggle, our struggle though, is that we all live in a world of me. 
All of us do. Me included. We all live in a world of me. Proverbs 18, verse 2 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delight, it delights in airing his own opinions. I don't care what other people think. My opinion is the only one that matters. That's usually how this world is. I put a little word, word cloud together, uh, and so just on the world of me, here's some words I thought kind of represented this world of me that we see around us. Detached, uncaring, aloof, callous, entitled, unresponsive, insensitive, heartless, indifferent, and apathetic. And how easy, how easy is it to actually function like this in our culture today? It's so easy to actually function this way in our culture. It's easy to think about me. But brothers and sisters, we are called to be different. We're called to be different. So Lake Oma, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who's the one to which I am supposed to care? Every person that I lock eyes with, every person that I lock eyes with, not just you, but everybody out there, they are my neighbor. Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who is my sister? Is it not those who hear the Word of God and also put that into practice? That's Luke 8, verse 21. Remember the story. Remember the story of the man who was beaten by the robbers and they, they took everything of his. We call it what? The Good Samaritan. Okay. Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And who came passing by that day? So, verse 31 and verse 32 a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw a man, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. See, we often see those in trouble, but we fail to act. We walk around, we walk around, listen, we walk around with blinders on, and we're glad we have them. Because if we don't have the blinders on, we feel really guilty if we actually took them off. So we just keep the blinders on because we don't really want to see what's out there because then I may have to feel something within inside of us, inside of me. And I don't want to feel that guilt. We think we can't do anything for hurting people because maybe we're hurting as well. We're afraid. It will take too much time. It will take too much work. And we offer excuse after excuse. Here's a couple. We must take care of ourselves. If we don't, no one else is going to. And we've bought into that lie. We've bought into that lie. And it smells like smoke and it comes from the pit of hell. That's where it comes from. We're supposed to be thinking of others before we think of ourselves. And we often allow our fear and inconvenience to drive our response to others. We only, see, we only see the dark side of caring for others. I may get lost in someone else's emotions and a situation that I can't get myself out of. I'll get entangled in this net, and it, I, I just never will get out. Okay. I interact weekly with a bunch, bunch of the minister, pastor types here in town. We actually get together as a group, 
once a month during the school year and eat together. Everybody in the town, most of the minister, pastor, whatever you want to call them, they call themselves pastors. So I'm going to use that. And we do the baccalaureate together as a group and put the baccalaureate for our senior graduations. We put all that together as a group of people. We do the big give with Jim Harris over here. And I meet a lot of them at the Positive Posse, which is a community meeting that meets on Tuesday mornings. And then I'm at Wild Hero while many of them are having meetings with others. Okay, so I run into a bunch of these guys all the time. And in those intersections, in those intersections with those men, those men over the past few months, I felt that one of my pastor friends, pastor friends was struggling. He didn't tell me. He didn't tell me. I just felt he was struggling. I could see it in his eyes. I could hear it in his voice. And, and any of you have done that, right? Many of you have done that too. You, you, you actually sense someone and you sense that they are actually something's hurting with inside of them and you look at them and you're wondering, oh, what, what, what should I do? Well, I decided, I decided to actually take a leap of faith and act upon that spirit's nudging that was in my life at that point. Now, listen, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at this. My, my perception of people's needs, especially as a younger minister, it wasn't there. It just wasn't. But I am trying to be open to the Spirit's nudging in my life and the pricking of my heart at that moment and not to ignore those hints that come about in those times. And I believe most of us in the room, you know what I'm talking about because you've had that. You've felt that yourself. You understand exactly what I'm going through, that those nudges. And many of us, we just kind of ignore them. I, believe me, that's me. And for me, the reason why I ignore them is because I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. Get out of my way. I have a goal today. I've got things I've got to get done. There is no time for delay. Chop, 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 chop. Let's go. That, that's me. Anybody else? Okay, a couple people. Great. And instead of sacrificing my soul to the hurried life, instead of doing that, which I've done for the better part of my ministry, I want to slow down and listen. I want to slow down and listen. Be willing to act upon that spirit's nudging and be willing to be there for others, just to listen, to care. And while I've had a struggle with that all my life, I decided, I decided I was going to stop, look, listen, and actually act upon this. And yes, 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 I have a fear. I have a fear that if I get involved in this, it may be a big inconvenience for me. A big inconvenience. And my greatest fear is that I won't have a sermon on Sunday ready to go because of that. I have a fear that this may not turn out exactly the way I hope it does, and it may drag me down and takes a large portion of my time. And I can justify my actions like everybody else can. We can all justify our actions when we're faced with things like that. And I wonder, I wonder if I even should reach out to my friend. You realize now that I still don't know if there's anything going on with him. All this is going through my head, and I don't even know if there's a thing going on with him right then. But I'm going to take a leap of faith, and I'm going to listen to that nudging, and I'm going to go down that road. 
And this could end horribly bad. It could end horribly bad. Or this could go south very quickly. Okay. Shake that nudging. And I thought about it for a moment. What do I do with this nudging in my life? What do I do? Because I could look at this and say, well, if it's about me, I don't move. But if it's about them, I do. I think Gary, I was listening to two classes today, Gary's and Ryan's, trying to, I had stereo going on back there. And Gary read the passage of Philippians 2. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of others before you think of yourself. Have this mind which is in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And he read that this morning. It was not about me. It's not about me. Luke 9 verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. How difficult is it for us to actually deny ourselves, take up our cross for the sake of Christ, for the sake of others in our lives that are there right in front of us. When we lock eyes with another, I should not be thinking about myself, but I should be thinking about others. But rarely, rarely, there's some of you that are so good at this, but rarely do I. And may rarely do we. And if we're going to move beyond friendly to actually caring, there must be a reprioritization in our lives. And for me, it also means repentance. It needs repentance. I need to quit acting the way I have been and actually reach out. So if we're going to move from friendly to caring, there's some things that we need to do. So I acted on the nudging. Here's the text I actually sent to my friend. It was good to see you last night. I get the sense in our brief conversation that you're going through a challenging time right now. Was wondering if you were free for lunch. He agreed. I also asked another pastor friend of mine to join me who knew this individual a lot longer than I did. Here's a side note. When caring for others, don't try to do this by yourself. Always grab somebody else to go with you. Why? Because there's a support there. There's accountability there. You can help out people. They can, they can say some things that you don't, you forget to say, that you want to say. It's a lot better if you go together with somebody else. Now remember, I'm still going off these nudges. I'm still going off, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I have no idea what I'm walking into. And, and while I'm walking, because it was four days from the time I sent to that text before we actually ate lunch together as a group. And during those four days, I can tell you what I have been doing, because you can look at my prayer journal. I was praying. I was praying. I was praying that God would give me wisdom and discernment and help me through that conversation with that individual. Praying and praying. I was praying for guidance and help and asking God that that conversation would go well. Well, in our conversation over lunch, we did find out that he was struggling. It's a serious problem. It's a serious problem, which has the potential to be very harmful. And now, we're in a text group together. 
the three of us are in a text group together. We're supporting him as he is supporting us. We're doing, sending notes back and forth, texts back and forth, saying, how are you doing today? You, you're hanging in there. We're just trying to love on him as best we can. And like Homer, understand this. James Waugh is not the answer to his problems. We are not the answer to another person's problems. Our elders are not the answer to another person's problems. Who is? Jesus Christ, God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, He's the answer to the problems in people's life. Our job, our job as a body of believers is just to care. It's to care and to point them to the one who can heal, who can help, who can guide. That's our role, It's to point them to that person. We are not Jesus, but we know the one who is, and we point them to the light. Our responsibility is just to point them. Our responsibility is to care and to point people to Jesus. But you say, but James, James, wait, time out. I'm not trained to help people in this way. Remember, our job is not to solve people's problems. Our job is to listen, to care, to lend an ear, to offer support, and if need be, connect them to a professional. And we can help you with that. But ultimately, our role is to point people to the one who can bring light out of darkness and offer salvation to a weary soul, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, I'll give you one suggestion this morning, and we're not going to get through all the outline for you people that are actually filling that in, all right? We're not going to get through it. We're going to, this is only half the lesson, only half. Okay, but I'm going to give you one suggestion this morning, and here's what I'd like you to do as a congregation. It's kind of an exercise I want you to do this week. And the question is, how should we care for another? How should we care for another? And I will say that, A, it begins with prayer. You have to begin with prayer. It has to begin with a relationship here before you enter into a relationship with others. That relationship needs to be ongoing as you're working with other people in this way. Okay? That's how we, how we should do it. Okay, so, so here's what I'm going to As we end this morning, here's what I'm going to do. Beginning with prayer, I want you to start praying that you will see people and feel that nudging from the Spirit, and just go, just, I just want you to recognize that nudging. Most of you do it every day. Some of you, you go great at it. You look at somebody, and you see it in their eyes, and you go, hey, are you okay? Can I, help? I don't want you to even re- act, react to it. I don't want you to do anything except listen, and when you feel that nudging for that individual person, when you feel that, write it down. Just write it down. Man, I wonder what God wants me to do with this. What He wants me to do with that nudging, that, that spirit He put on my life. What does He want me to do with this? We'll get into that next week. But what I want you to do this week is all I want you to do is just recognize that the spirit is in your life. The spirit is there. And He's pushing you, nudging you to say, see that individual? I put that on your heart for a reason. And all I want you to do is just write it down and write down that person's name and just say, okay, 
Okay. I'll just write that down. Next week we'll go further in that. And we'll get all the practical ways in which we can actually reach out to others and go beyond friendly to actually caring. Okay? So if you're here this week and you haven't expressed your desire to be a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, and you need to do that, then please come forward and say, I want to be baptized for the remission of my sins and know Him, know Christ, and have Him in my life. And if you haven't done that, then please do that today. And if we can help you in any way through prayer, we want to do that as well. Let's stand and sing.